0: Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas. And if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning PeopleCloud loyalty solution. Personalization should be integrated into the entire customer experience, including, of course, your loyalty programme. With this in mind, Epsilon recently released a guide outlining six key components that will put you on the path to personalising your entire loyalty experience. This guide challenges you to do some housekeeping and reconsider how you think about your current and future loyalty personalization efforts. So, to download your copy of the report, visit Epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty, when I'm chatting with Alyssa Callahan, a lady who has spent more than 10 years in a variety of fabulous loyalty roles, for leading brands like Toys R Us and Wyndham Hotels. Most recently, Alyssa has been appointed Director of Loyalty at L'Oreal Cosmetics for the Lux division, with responsibility to help build customer loyalty for some incredible brands like Lancome, Kiehl's, Yves Saint Laurent and other incredible luxury products. In our conversation, we talk through some of the critical success factors driving loyalty with consumers that Alyssa has learned in her career to date. So I really hope you enjoy this exciting episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. So Alyssa, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. It's great to have you on the show. Hi Paula, it's great to be here. I've been listening to your
1: podcast. Uh, for the last few years. And I am thrilled to be chatting with you today.
0: Oh, you know, it just warms my heart when somebody says that, Alyssa, I'm super <laughs> proud. I know how how precious attention is. So, so thank you for listening. Yes, of course. Wonderful. Great. So I think what we've talked about is um, we're going to obviously start with our favorite loyalty statistic. And you have one that I'm a huge fan of that has been talked about before, but certainly not nearly enough. So we'll definitely get into that. Um, But just before I even ask that question, um, I really do feel that this is part one of two or maybe more um, because it was your recent job appointment with L'Oreal that uh, totally caught my attention on LinkedIn. So. So a quick congratulations for taking over as the loyalty director role for the Lux Division.
1: Thank you so much. Yes, I have been um, so blessed to be starting this new role that I'm very excited um, wow. to be part of this company. And I there's a lot of work to be done. So I would love to come back in the future and share um, some yeah. updates on the progress that I've made once I've had time to really dig into the role.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you literally started in August 2021. So we won't ask any, any deeper meaningful questions about the current one. But listen, in order to kick us off, Alyssa, tell us your favorite loyalty statistic.
1: Yes, I love this. So my favorite loyalty statistic is one that I know many of us have heard before. And it's something that's followed me throughout my career in loyalty. And it's really around uh, the difference um, and the disconnection between how customers perceive the brand's loyalty to them and how the brands feel that they are treating their customers from a loyalty perspective. So the stat that I have um, from the 2021 Bond Brand Loyalty Report is that 46% of marketers strongly agree that their brand is loyal to their customers Mm. And only 20% of customers strongly agree that that brand is loyal to them. Um, And and I love this because it really um, draws attention to just the disconnect in objectives. So customers join programs because they think the brand will show them loyalty. And many programs are focused on how is this customer being loyal to me? And they need to fit into this loyalty um, box or expectation that I have from a performance standpoint before I will reciprocate that loyalty. So I just, I'm fascinated by that. And I love to see that still be a top um, statistic this this year in the report.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Alyssa. Um, I think I mentioned to you that it was actually a UK guest of mine, Rob Chandler, um, from the Sky VIP program, who first brought that stat to my attention um, from a previous bond brand loyalty report. And like you, when it came out again just a couple of months ago, I was just amazed to see how little progress has been made on that particular metric. And I think you've said yourself, Alyssa, your own career. I think you're you're what, almost 10 years now working across some incredible roles and really we're not seeing any progress in this area
1: agree. Yes. I've been working for um, corp- in a corporate loyalty role since 2010. Um, mm-hmm. And this was something I was focused on in 2010. And it's something that I've continued to focus on. Uh, and I think that has to do with just the size of the organizations that I've managed programs within. Uh, yeah. And just the, the difference in the amount of teams, the amount of initiatives and promotions and goals. And loyalty doesn't always become part of the overarching branding strategy or marketing strategy. And I think that really drives a disconnect. And on my loyalty team, that's always been our goal. And the the goal of my leader is to Mm -hmm. really integrate the program throughout every touch point um, of the customer's experience with the brand, not just with the program.
0: Yeah. So that sounds like a key objective for you then, Alyssa, that if you're going into these incredible brands and just to mention a couple, there's been Wyndham Hotels, Toys R Us and Aeropostale already, um, and obviously now L'Oreal, an incredible branch to work for. So do you feel that a key part of the loyalty director's role is to create the awareness of the responsibility, let's say, of the company to its customers before expecting it back from them?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's a huge objective for me coming into this role. Um, and my role in L'Oreal is focused on the Lux division. Um, so there are four divisions within L'Oreal. Um, okay. One is active cosmetics, one is consumer products, a third is professional products, and then we have L'Oreal Lux, um, which includes brands um, such as Lancome, Heels, It Cosmetics, Urban Decay, um, East Saint Laurent Beauty, Armani Beauty, Mugler, and uh, Victor and Rolf fragrances. fragrances. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, think I got them all, uh, and they all have loyalty programs. But but what drew me to this role and what I love is these are such powerful brands. There's so much, so much strong branding and so much personality and so much to do from a loyalty perspective to incorporate uh, the programs and the branding together. So I just I see huge opportunity uh, for this yeah. portfolio.
0: Wow. And am I right in understanding, Alyssa, that this is a brand new role within L'Oreal Lux um, itself?
1: This is a new role, yes. So I will be focused um, on the USA primarily um, and looking at these brands kind of from a program management and a business strategy standpoint uh, overall at an overarching level uh, for Mm, Lux. mm, Wonderful. And it's really been driven, um, Paula, I think, and also I should mention. uh, d to c so i'm focused on direct to consumer um, web primarily uh, for okay. these brands okay. um, and there are not third parties um as well where, where these products are purchased so i think the the growth that we're seeing based on the pandemic digital as a channel has very much accelerated in the last two years. And for L'Oreal Lux, they see a huge potential for these brands um, to continue to be sold online. And these Mm. brands have loyalty programs um, that they're currently operating in and they're seeing more activity within them. So this role will really be to continue to accelerate loyalty Mm. and retention for these brands as that customer behavior has shifted to online. Mm.
0: I, th- I think I said to you last time we spoke, Alyssa. Like it's it's like the dream job, you know. I think for anybody who works in loyalty, first of all, for me, I do have um a, a very long time ago a background in the beauty industry, and uh, not with such beautiful luxury products as you have. I was um actually a nail technician. Would you believe? Random fact, a piece of trivia there for you. But um, but to have such a portfolio of, as you said, um, extraordinary brands, um, to have all of those loyalty programs where. I guess you've got an opportunity to go in and really, you know, interpret, decipher and analyze what business performance the loyalty programs are driving and almost compare, contrast and take the best of each. And then I suppose everybody gets to up their game. There's
1: huge potential um, for synergies between brands um, and ways that we can find efficiencies and learnings amongst brands. Um, So that's also one of my goals is to really. Um, dig into the reporting and how we're sharing the metrics for each brand um, between brands with leadership to make sure that everyone um, has yeah. an overall awareness at a L'Oreal Lux level of how yeah. the programs are working and then what what um, can be optimized
0: wonderful. Wow. Well, it sounds like it's got um, plenty of potential, as you said, Alyssa. Um, so I will be super excited to come back um, and, and talk exactly about what you do decide to do over the coming months and who knows, even uh, years. And just before we leave the L'Oreal one, why would you say you got the role, particularly Alyssa? And I often think actually as you know, somebody with a voice in the industry that I really do want to help people with their loyalty careers. Um, and a lot of that is around the education obviously the show itself but obviously you had something that really L'Oreal saw so why why do you think you got the role or is that hard to answer
1: (laughs) yes it is I you know I'm I'm flattered and honored to have the role it really is um it's a dream job for me I've said that all along that this is just something I couldn't I couldn't have pictured or written a job description for a role yeah I would be more excited to to come into I think for me uh, in terms of career growth um, I have always made it a personal goal to um, to network as much as I can with others in the yeah. loyalty industry, whether that's on um, in the business side, if it's on the agency side, um, LinkedIn has been an incredibly useful tool over, you know, in the, in the more recent years to help me um, yeah. make those connections. I also do a lot of reading and research. I listen to podcasts. Uh, lo- loyalty is my passion. So it's um, it's something that I also enjoy learning about. For fun, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's it's really something that I truly love, and I've worked to continue to establish myself as someone um, that's an expert and that's known in the industry over time. And I think that would I would give that advice to anyone um, in a loyalty role that's looking to advance is to just do everything you can to become an industry expert. Connect with those around you, um, even even on the agency side. I no, I try to talk to everyone that reaches out to me on LinkedIn, yeah. even if yeah. I can't change platforms or I can't adopt a new product. I think every connection you can make in the space is valuable and you can learn something. So, um, that's just a a personal, um, a personal goal of mine is to have those connections. And I think Mm -hmm. I would, I would like to say that, um, that that contributed to me getting the role. And then also the experience that I've had at Wyndham uh, because Wyndham hotels uh, Mm. has a a fantastic loyalty program uh, that Mm. spans across 20 brands, um, highly awarded and recognized. So I was Mm. really lucky to have worked on that program and gain that visibility as well, which allowed me to take my career to, to a next step.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. And I definitely do admire your, um, your response on LinkedIn. I think it's a lovely perspective just to be open to uh, to connecting with people in that way. Yes, of course. I think as
1: those in the loyalty industry, we have to stick together. I think we're a, we're
0: a little tribe. So
1: it's important totally. to connect with everyone you can, regardless of their role if they're in
0: loyalty. Absolutely, and a place I know you do some um, some great connecting. Actually, and um, we talked about it briefly offline, Alyssa. But the the power of Clubhouse as a an extraordinarily, I would say, innovative platform um, in audio format. So certainly one that I've been, I'd say, sitting on the sidelines with. Uh, but I know you do connect with a fabulous group there. Uh, I think Monday is Loyalty Day. There's a, there's a fabulous group that that, that you uh, talk to or or listen to sometimes. So I'd love if you just talk a bit about that group on Clubhouse. So again, anybody listening who wants to learn more might be able to join you there.
1: Yes, I, I love Clubhouse and I believe now it's open for anyone to join. Um, I joined when it was invite only uh, and I was very excited to, to get in on the list because it felt very exclusive. Um, But it's a fantastic forum where you can join really any chat room that you want based on topics that you're interested in. Uh, And there's no video, it's not recorded. So I think coming from uh, the brand side, I think there there are questions that I may want to ask or discussions I may want to participate in, but I don't have to worry about anyone recording what I'm saying because it's really just a, a free live chat. Uh, yeah. and, and I found this room through um, a friend that is driving customer loyalty. And it's a group that meets at 5 p.m. Eastern time, if you're in the United States on okay. Monday. Um, sometimes, okay. it, sometimes the time changes a bit, but on Clubhouse, you can follow that group and receive alerts when the meeting occurs. Um, mm. And it, it's a brilliant room. There are experts from different agencies Um, business owners, um, some on on the brand side, there's a different topic every week um, that we kind of unpack and get to have an open discussion on. Uh, And I love it just to tune in and hear what others are thinking, what's going on in the industry. So I would definitely recommend that as a forum for anyone looking to, to make those connections with others in this space.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. And I, I see, for example, I'm just looking at the Clubhouse group now. So Shirley King, I know, is a, is a driver of that group and she's been a guest on the show. And we'll give a shout out to uh, to Jill Goldhorn as well. So hopefully we'll get her on a, a future um, episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. So great shout out to that. And thank you for talking us through that. I think I might be staying up later on Monday night to listen by the sounds of it. <laughs> yes, that would, be, that would be fantastic. They would be Aww. so excited to see you Aww. join. Wonderful, wonderful. So, listen, I I really just then wanted to to go to your Wyndham Hotel days, Alyssa. Um, I know you were there for, I think it was over five years in total across a number of different roles. So, maybe just um, talk us through uh, maybe some of the things you learned leading loyalty for such an incredible global brand. Um, I know, for example, you mentioned you did some work with paid loyalty in a subscription basis. So, just really would love to, uh, to share some of the highlights maybe from that particular work that you did.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, so I joined um, what was Wyndham Destinations at the time, um, okay, early in 2016, which at the time was a division of Wyndham Worldwide. Um, we were mm-hmm. we were one company, um, and that was also a new role that had been created, and that was um, Manager of Loyalty Marketing. And the goal of that role. Um, again, was to really accelerate retention um, through subscription loyalty and through a credit card loyalty program for members. Okay. Um, This, um, Wyndham Destinations had many divisions. The division that I worked in was called RCI, Mm -hmm. which is a condominium exchange program where you can subscribe to um, exchange your week at your timeshare for other weeks of other subscribers for $100 a year or was $100 a year at the time. Okay. Um, And then you could upgrade that membership to $150 a year to get a platinum membership where you would Mm -hmm. receive additional benefits. So it was um, really an early subscription model, I think at the time, because subscription loyalty programs were just starting uh, to come around in, in 2015, 2016. So very interesting for me to really start to focus on uh, the retention piece and how retention marketing and loyalty can really play hand in hand. An example of that would be 90 days before your subscription uh, expires, you receive a mailer with an offer. And then if you don't respond 60 days, you get a richer offer. 30 mm. days, you get a richer offer. And and those, I'd say what are textbook retention techniques are, aren't always used in loyalty marketing and we weren't using them yeah. um, as much in, in prior programs. So there were a lot of learnings there for me. Mm. Uh, and the goal really... Of that was to bring the goal. The goal of my role was to bring awareness to this elevated tier throughout the experience with the goals of enrolling members into this higher tier and then retaining them. So, um, mm. we did a huge project to look at the benefits and say, how can we put these benefits um, in more relevant places on the web so that it wasn't um, one touch point for upgrade you were prompted to upgrade in real time. Uh, So I'll I'll give an example. I think one benefit of the platinum tier was that you had more flexibility to exchange your week. Uh, You didn't have to lock in where you were going um, by a certain date, you had more flexibility. So an example would be if a member, a base tier member went into the website and wanted to move their week, but they had missed the window Mm. Um, So they would get a message that says you've missed the window, but upgrade your membership to platinum and unlock the ability to do the action that you've come to do, as well as these additional gifts and benefits Mm. uh, so that they actually could do that in real time and then do Mm. the action that they wanted to do.
0: Well, I was just going to comment that it's 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 actually solving a problem that the customer is feeling. It's it's a really tangible pain point, and I think that's where a lot of us struggle is to be to be visible, you know, at that right moment in time to be able to solve the problem. And I think you said it was a hundred dollars a year. I don't know was that for the base level or for the the platinum level? But that's a very affordable price point to solve a problem like you know a different destination that I want to go on my holidays.
1: Yes, yes. So the the base membership was $100 a year. So that was usually picked when someone would purchase the timeshare. Once they come into the RCI membership, um, our goal is to get them into a platinum membership. So they're paying $150 a year instead of $100 to receive additional perks and benefits. And one of those platinum benefits um, was more flexibility, uh, more choices, the Mm. ability to extend points. Um, As well as um, cruise discounts, um, discounts on partnerships, um, priority, uh, customer service, and a customer service concierge. Mm. So uh, many more benefits, but really that was what I was focused on was getting people from the base membership into this higher level program membership. um, Okay.
0: Okay. But, but even as an upsell, it's, it's, it's very customer friendly um, and very affordable. Like I would absolutely, you know, as somebody, you know, if I was lucky enough to own a condominium, $150 definitely feels like a a worthwhile investment. So I know you won't be able to say much about um, anything commercial, Alyssa, but would you say you uh, were happy? Like, Did customers get it? Did they, did they subscribe in the kind of volumes or percentages that you had hoped for?
1: I would say yes. So I think the program was considered successful at the time. I think the retention rates were fairly strong. And I think I did increase the number of enrollments and um, so I'd say upsells into this higher tier during my time there by adding these touch points at relevant places, um, like you said, where the the benefit was actually solving a problem and Mm -hmm. it could be used in real time, which is so much more powerful than um, an email that says, Upgrade to this tier and get these following benefits, but there's no value in that moment. Um, So it's it's a little bit disconnected. So placing it in connected places throughout the experience had a huge increase Mm. in upgrades.
0: Yes. Wonderful. We talk about personalization so much, Alyssa, in our industry, as you well know. So that to me is the perfect example of personalization, you know, find the pain point, present the solution, uh, because clearly it's it's very well understood by the business and match the two together at the time they need it. I love it.
1: Yes, that was it was a great, a great program, a great experience working there. Mm. And I was there for about two years and then I moved over to The hotel side of Wyndham worldwide. Um, And eventually those, those companies um, have split off into separate divisions um, and become Wyndham hotels and resorts. And that's where I I was um, for the three years prior to moving to Mm. L'Oreal and I was hired. uh, So that my first role there was a program management role working on Wyndham rewards. And I was brought in again to a new role Mm -hmm. to support the acquisition of Uh, the La Quinta brand at the time and the La Quinta Mm. Returns program. um, With them had required La Quinta as a brand. Mm. And uh, the goal was to migrate um, the La Quinta Returns members into Wyndham Rewards successfully. um, So they Mm. would still, they would understand the program reactivate um, and be happy with kind of this transition and then go on to be active in the rest of the Wyndham portfolio. So that was about the first year of my time there. And then um, the rest of my time I spent primarily in more of a program management role working Mm. on the evolution of Wyndham Rewards in which we made several program changes to make uh, the program more rewarding for members and give them Mm. more ways to earn and more ways to redeem
0: lovely lovely and i guess pre covid um and post covid you probably had um two significantly different um, types of um opportunities to do that w- was it was it really a tough time i guess with the whole uh, once the pandemic kicked off
1: yes the pandemic Uh, dramatically changed uh, the business strategy as I'm sure um, was the same for everyone else in the hospitality industry at the time. It was so unexpected um, and unprecedented that it did change the way we thought about the program, thought Mm -hmm. about the goals of the program and connecting with members. Um, So pre-pandemic, we were very focused on optimizing the program and making sure that members were participating and really a a huge marker of that was redeeming a reward. So we discovered that customers who redeem rewards are Mm -hmm. more more active and they have a higher lifetime value and really getting them to that first reward was, was a priority. And that was done through some program changes, which lowered the number of points needed to redeem for a free night. And the number of points you need to add plus cash to get a free night uh, and some more redemption experiences. It goes back to my, to my stat. We, I think, as a business, took a mm-hmm. pause and said, what can we do now to show our loyalty to our wow. customers? And um, wow. Realizing that this was an incredibly difficult time for members. And we uh, looked at the program and said, no, we can extend status from expiring. We mm-hmm. can extend points from expiring can Mm -hmm. change our cancellation policy Mm -hmm. um we did an an incredible initiative which offered essential workers um and healthcare workers a free gold status upgrade Uh, so it really was while it was a challenging time for me it was really it was really incredible just to see um some of these initiatives happen that i had never been able to do before because they would have um yeah, we were we were focused on really growth and growth and growth of the customers instead of giving back to customers so that it was it was a challenging but also unique time in my career. Yeah, um, after the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Very creative, Alyssa. Um, I love the gold status for essential workers because, again, I think you're right. Everybody had to catch their breath. I think collectively, the world was just in shock for for a while. Um, And the obvious first thing then is, again, as you said, extending status. So thankfully, I think most brands, particularly, you know, lovely premium hospitality brands like Wyndham, you know, um, immediately made that available to people um, and I think have continued to do so from what I've seen. Uh, But the essential workers piece, I think is definitely more in the emotional connection, I would say, where, again, you're doing something genuinely to try and give back. And I think the pandemic focused all of our minds in terms of, you know, how can we build that emotional loyalty and maybe do something for other people, you know, maybe just not about ourselves anymore. So I'm sure that landed really well. So it sounds like great work.
1: It did. And there was also an, another exciting shift, I would say, for, for my career at that time after the pandemic. Um, and that was because as a business, we also became more focused on our owners. Uh, so Winder okay. is a franchise business and we have uh, owners of our hotels mm. um, and they have uh, goals that they have to achieve for the program. Uh, so we offered them more flexibility in what was expected of them from a a loyalty standpoint in terms of the number of enrollments. Uh, They had a little more breathing room just to, uh, to get done what they needed to do. And we also developed incentive programs um, specifically for hotel workers where they would earn Wyndham Rewards points uh, for every guest that they enrolled so that they oh. could um, start participating in the program, which I think was a business initiative that we had on the roadmap yeah. pre-pandemic. Yeah. But it was a really great time to be able to also feel that yeah. we were rewarding those at our hotel, um, on the front lines, enrolling guests every day and say that now they can earn Wyndham Reward points that they can redeem mm. um, for free nights or gift cards or whatever they would imagine. So that that was really the first uh, true it's B2B type of program that I worked on as well, which really came into high focus after the pandemic.
0: Wonderful. And I think that's so often overlooked, Alyssa, because I think we all, you know, spent a lot of time training staff and um, frontline to really um, excite them about our work. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's only when you get into the earn burn mentality um, that actually it makes sense. I think it has to land. So I, I love that. I didn't know you'd done that before.
1: I think more and more businesses are, Looking at their loyalty program, not just from a customer standpoint, but also from an internal organizational or B2B standpoint. So I think that we will see more of this as loyalty progresses, which says, how can we use this currency that we've developed that we're giving to our members also to incentivize our employees? And then it's it's a win-win because your employees become active in your program. They understand the program. They become more engaged. And usually the points currency is more affordable than other incentives or gifts you may want to offer your staff.
0: Yeah, that's a genius one, Alyssa, because you're absolutely right. You know, we all think we want bonuses and, you know, staff that that's what they want. But actually, first of all, they want to feel like they're part of something. So I think when you include them as a community within the program, already there's again the emotional attachment and the you know engagement I guess with them as an important group of people I think it just would change how I would feel about a company if I was involved in the loyalty program and I'm sure you know again obviously the earn and burn everything would have to be worked through quite differently but I'd say they responded incredibly positively did they?
1: They did. Yes. Before, before I had moved on to this job, the program was, was doing well. And I would expect that it would continue to grow um, as, as travel returns and as more members get back into the hotels.
0: Love it. Love it. And the other role, um, I think you started with Aeropostale, by the way. I'm not sure if if you want to touch on that one. I think that was your first loyalty role. But I wanted to ask about Toys R Us because that's um, that, you know, is an extraordinary brand and has done incredible work. It's not in this part of the world. So so I'd love just any maybe, you know, learnings from either of those two roles that you can share with us.
1: Yes, of course. Um, toys R Us was, a, was an incredible role. It, it, the office felt like walking into a toy store. It, there, there were toys <laughs> everywhere. Everyone's desk was decorated. It was very uh, very much how you would imagine working at a toy store corporate office, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this this role, so interestingly enough, this was also a new role that had been developed okay. um, as a <laughs> marketing manager for the loyalty and the credit card for Toys R Us yeah. and Babies R Us. Um, And the goal of the role was to um, accelerate the program and integrate it throughout brand marketing, as well as the credit card as what we would consider an additional tier or component of the program. Okay. And also understand if the program was uh, supporting the business in retention um, and lifetime value and growth. Um, So in that role, we did... um, a program change as well. So we changed the number of points needed to redeem for a reward. Um, I believe it was from 125 to 75. So um, so Brilliant. after $75, you would get $5 back. Nice. That was based on order size and where we felt most customers would be able to achieve within one to two purchases. And then knowing that that $5 reward would then bring them back in yeah. again. So it was very much focused around this um, get $5 back uh, mm. from a marketing standpoint, which was mm. sort of an early Kohl's Cash model, if, if you're familiar with that. So yeah. Less, yeah. Um, yeah. less, although it was a points-based program, it was it was very much a kind of a spend 75, get $5 back. Okay, yeah. Uh, and Toys R Us also had many partnerships. Um, so as part of the loyalty program, members um, could use their points, to earn and redeem for Shutterfly, uh, which is a photo book um, oh, and photo book service out here um, for care.com, which is a babysitting and nanny service for um, magazines, for experiences um, to go to Legoland or Sesame Street Live. Um, oh, so there were, there were wonderful. lots of tips. Yes, that, that, it was really, really great, relevant yeah. fit for the brand that members could have access to. By joining the program. It is a free program. So I really um the partnerships were, were really exciting for me to work on, as well as the ability to uh, yeah. do the research and go through the analytic process of understanding what that correct value proposition was uh, and mm. what that what that threshold was to get members to achieve that reward and come back and spend it again okay. in the store.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've heard about that Coles model as well. And it is very tangible. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've never tried to build a business case for it, but I'm sure you've done plenty of them. Um, (laughs) But it, it sounds like something that it's almost like a test and learn, you know, measure the upsell, measure the upspend when they do come in with the voucher and all of those metrics to see, you know, how rich can we afford to be? How rich do we want to be, you know, and still make it profitable for the business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's so many different constructs that we're seeing in loyalty, and I've had you know the privilege of working on on a few. So I think spend and get that yeah. kind of cashback model is definitely one of them. Points based is definitely one of them. Subscription mm. is a huge one that we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, it's really been a great experience to understand how all those program types work. And, and like you said, there's no one set strategy for loyalty. It really is based on what your customers um, want, what adds them value, what's solving their pain points with the brand and what makes them feel that connection and ease of use through the program. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my goodness, Alyssa. Um I can just imagine the excitement as you said going into the the dream role with such extraordinary brands now and and so much work to do. <laughs> you're going to be a very busy lady. Um so I think that's all I wanted to ask from my side. Um I love the work that you're doing. Um it's certainly I think to me you're somebody who has loyalty in your blood. <laughs> it's it's a true passion as you've said. So is there anything else you wanted to share with uh, with our listeners, Alyssa, before we uh, uh, before we finish up? I'll just say that
1: I think you're right. I think loyalty loyalty is in my blood. And I think as loyalty marketers, it's so exciting for, for me and others I know to see the expansion of programs into new markets and just mm-hmm. the increases in technology. And I think there've been, we've all heard uh, people in our careers that have said, why do we have a loyalty program? Will loyalty programs <laughs> be around forever? Do we yeah. need them? And I think I feel so strongly that they make a huge impact um, when they're done correctly, when it's a brand that encompasses the loyalty program throughout the experience, throughout each touch point through the uh, the CX, the call center, the app and really embodies that members are are part of the brand and the loyalty program is part of the brand. And I just think it's it's so important that we all continue to do the great work that we're doing yeah. uh, and, and it's paying off. I, I think seeing so many programs pop up, um, in quick service restaurants and et cetera, it, it's, it's an exciting time. And I just, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in this industry and yeah. I'm, I'm happy. i be able to connect with so many of us and there's, there's so much more to come in loyalty for all of us. And I'm very <laughs> excited about it
0: wonderful. As sure
1: your listeners
0: are as well. Oh, totally, totally. And I, and I was just uh, kind of smiling to myself, Alyssa, as you were saying, you know, it pays off because I have a very dear friend um, in Ireland and we've been working together in different projects for about 10 years. And she was like, so tell me, does loyalty actually work? <laughs> like she asked me this a week ago and I'm like, we're still asking that question. <laughs> I know. I it's incredible. You know, if you're not involved in it, it's hard to sometimes see from the outside, you know, the actual power of it. But uh, but but clearly you do. So I'm very, very glad to hear that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. So the final question then, Alyssa, um, and I'm guessing I already know the answer, but if people want to reach out and connect with you, uh, first of all, is that OK? And uh, where would they find you? <laughs> yes
1: please please do reach out to me i love connecting with anyone in this space um especially if you're up and coming in this space i would love to to kind of help navigate anyone who may be like is loyalty marketing for me is is loyalty program management for me because it's such a unique yeah. um, career and it's not something that, um that i saw myself going into i ma- i majored in economics um i had worked in retail stores throughout college and loved kind of customers and being behavior, but it's something that I was lucky enough to find, um, through my first role. So I would, I would love to connect with anyone and everyone. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Mm -hmm. backslash
0: Alyssa Callahan loyalty. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And of course, anybody can reach out to me as well, Alyssa, and I'll make sure to put them in contact with you. And of course, the show notes as well. We'll make sure that um, you know we do link directly to your LinkedIn profile. And just for anyone listening, because it is audio, Alyssa is spelled A-L-Y-S-S-A and Callahan, C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N, just to make sure people can find you. Great. So. Thank you. That's wonderful. So, Alyssa, I'm so happy to have you on the program. As I said, uh, definitely feel like you're a kindred spirit and uh, super excited with the, the role that you've gone into. So just want to say thank you so much from everyone at Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. It's been a pleasure. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research.